Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're going to get into this message. We are still in our Truth Bomb series. We've been in this series for quite some time, and I still so have, I have so many bombs to drop. I'm like, there's so many things I want to say. Uh, and Pastor John says hi. He's preaching over at our other campus down in Bayho, just right down the road there. So he says hello to you. Um, so yeah, we're in our Truth Bomb series. And the truth is that the world needs the truth. <laughs> the truth is that the world needs the truth. The truth is that the world needs Jesus Christ. The truth is that the church is the hope of the world. And so I want to be sharing around that a little bit today and just talking about how we can actually do that, how we can actually, as a church, uh, be the solution to the world's problems that we have. And, and you're going to realize it's not that complicated. It's literally one person at a time and uh, how we change how we change this beautiful city and the people in it. Um, and so I want to just start by uh, sharing this story with you. You know, even my kids, they are 10, 14, and 15 now. But even my own children understand that the church is the hope of the world. And they know that because they've been raised in church. From the day they were born, they, by the time when they were in my belly, they were in the church. And um, I remember, you know, just carrying the little ones on the front row with me, little babies. Um, and I even was so bold to change poopy diapers on the front row on my lap. Um, there were times I had to carry my babies up on stage when I was leading services. And so they literally have been in, in the house of God since day one. Uh, and so... They've seen, they've, they have been surrounded by the transformational power of Jesus Christ. Just like so many of us have been coming to this church and every week we see people's lives change. They have seen healing in their own bodies, healing from medical diagnoses and allergies. And then they're surrounded by the faith testimonies of cancer tumors disintegrating before their eyes and, and blind eyes being opened, literally deaf ears being opened, broken bones being healed on the platform. I mean, we have seen people, the biggest miracle of all, where people get a response to Jesus at the end of a message message and they go from death to life an eternity in hell now into eternity in heaven like what an incredible miracle that they get to witness each and every week you know and another miracle that that happens often in our church because we believe in the fullness of the gospel message you know we we look to the life of Jesus to see what the fullness of the gospel message was and the and and the bible says that they preach the gospel they cast out demons and they healed the sick. And I think one of the things Awakened Church is even known for is that we'll be so bold to actually believe that God's still in the business of doing those three things. And so every week, people just come up for prayer. They feel tormented by depression or anxiety or fears or worries or sickness and, and infirmities and all these things. They come forward and the kingdom of God encounters the kingdom of darkness is operating in their life and they get fully set free from all those demonic spirits in a moment. And so my kids see this each and every week. We see this. I see this each and every week. So they understand that the church is the hope of the world because they've seen it. This is all they've known. And they've seen it with their own eyes. And so it was a similar, a similar Sunday where all of those things are happening. It was incredibly powerful. At the end of a, a service, there was a beautiful young woman who came up to me 
that had shared that she was just feeling really tormented with anxiety. She, it was overtaking her. She was visibly shaking. There was fear in her eyes. And she just shared a little bit of her story with me and then talked about, you know, how she had gotten tied up in some drug use and things like that. And, and she just needed help. She didn't know how to get free and she felt um, tormented. And so right there I knew, obviously, that, that the demonic had been given access to her life because of the things that she had exposed herself to. And so just as we do, I just said, in the name of Jesus. And the moment I said the name of Jesus, the, the demonic spirits began to manifest and, and they began one by one be cast out as we address this, the spirits of death and suicide and self-hatred and addiction and all of those things. So this beautiful young woman who was tormented on a Sunday, coming to church on a Wednesday, and my kids obviously saw all of this. It was the end of the service. It's very normal to them to see those kinds of things. Then on a, on a Wednesday, seeing the same young woman with, with light in her eyes and a smile on her face and joy in her heart, having brought friends with her to church that Wednesday night. And it was incredibly powerful. And my, and my daughter, we get back in the car to go home. She's like, Mom, that was the same girl, right? I'm like, yeah, how amazing is God? And we talked about the goodness of God and the love of God, that they, she encountered the love and the power of God and her whole life has changed. You know, my daughter, as we're driving home, there was a few moments of silence. And then she actually said this, and I, I ended up writing it down because I thought it was so profound. And I will preface this story by telling you that um, I'm not sure how Los Angeles got into her thoughts in this moment, but no offense to anyone that lives or loves Los Angeles. Um, but she, she just, you know, after just, I think just witnessing all of this, just continually seeing the transformational power of the church, my daughter said this. She said, Mom, we should get two churches in L.A. And I said, why? She said, because they seem messed up. They need help. She said, maybe Pastor Yergi, who's our lead pastor, Pastor Yergin, but she calls him Pastor Yergi. She said, maybe Pastor Yergi will get a vision of having like 30 churches or maybe a couple in every state in America. She's like, people are going to want to move to America because of our church, Mom. She said, but we will just have to get people willing to move to L.A. and Hollywood, and I just don't know if people would be willing to do that. <laughs> My goodness. You know, it may seem just like a sweet, simple statement from a 10-year-old little girl, but I actually think it's quite prophetic and quite profound that my 10-year-old recognizes that the church is the hope of the world, that the church is what's going to save America and the path that it is on right now from a path of destruction to a path of hope and life in Jesus' name. You know, so when we look at the state of the world right now, we see darkness, we see confusion, we see anger, we see rage, we see, we see perversion, we see all of these wicked, evil things happening in the earth. And I think if you don't know Jesus, you can feel really powerless and hopeless. But when you do know Jesus, you can actually be encouraged and filled with hope because we know that we are the answer to every human problem on the planet because we carry the answer, Jesus Christ, on the inside of us. And we can actually change the face of our city and our state and our nation by us going into the dark places of the world and bringing the light of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you realize this, but you are the light of the world, the Bible says. You are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. And so everywhere we go, the light goes. 
So the Bible talks about, I believe it's in John 1, 5. It says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness cannot overcome it. Do you realize everywhere we go, everywhere we plant a church, um, awaken church in a new territory, the light of Jesus comes with us and the darkness cannot overcome it. So we go, light goes, and we push back the powers of darkness. No one can convince me the Bayho region has gotten darker since Awakened Church planted that church in that territory. You better bet we are lighting that place up for Jesus Christ. We have a direct impact in how light or how dark our city will become. We have the direct impact and control over how light and dark our city will become. And knowing this, that we have the ability to control the level of light and darkness in our city. And we do that because we have a willingness to partner with God, to preach the gospel, and to fund the mission of the church. And this is why I woke up at 5.30, because I, I wasn't going to address funding the mission of the church. And the Holy Spirit convicted me at 11 p.m. and says, how do you think you're going to preach a message on how to change the world and impact our city and save souls if you will not address the responsibility we have as believers to fund the mission of the church that God has entrusted to us. Do you realize that God has entrusted us, you and I, to fund the mission of the church? His mission, he said he's gonna build it and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, but he actually entrusts us with funding the mission of the church. How does he do that? Through our tithes and our offerings. Malachi 3, 8 through 10 says this, and we say it regularly in this house. It says, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. Who's you? You and I. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he responds, in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all, can you, can you think about this for a minute? The darkness and the curse that's on this nation right now, could it be because we have not taken up our responsibility to bring our tithes and the offerings to advance the kingdom of light in this dark place? You wonder why we're living in a curse? Have we gone into the dark places? Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and that scripture goes on. So because our tithe, our 10% belongs to the Lord, we either bring it to God to have food in this house, to run our kids' programs, to run our youth camps, to run our recovery, to, to have ministers that are trained and able to pray for those to be set free from demonic oppression, to keep the lights on, to have incredible worship that ushers in the presence of God. That is how the church operates, by the tithe. Can you see how God has entrusted us with the mission of the church? It, it is, we have direct impact on whether the church thrives or it, or it struggles if we are willing to be obedient in this area by bringing our tithes. And it says tithes and offerings. And we know that every year we, we have an opportunity to visit to pleasure builders and bring offerings. And offerings allow us to go into other territories and plant other churches. This church exists because of vision builders, people giving offerings. So you have a place to come to, to bring your friends to hear about the love and the powerful transformation of Jesus Christ. Beho exists because of vision builders where people are getting set free and set on fire for, for Jesus over four miles just four miles down the road. Vision Builders allows us to do that. So I cannot talk about preaching the gospel, ministering the gospel, building churches to reach people without talking about funding the mission of the church. God entrusts us to do this. 
we have an opportunity to invest in the only thing that has a chance to make the world a brighter place. What an opportunity that we have to invest in that. You know, whenever we talk about giving and, and offerings and vision builders and taking territory and planting churches, I always think so much about the future of my kids. It might just me because I'm a mom. I think about the future of my kids. What, what, are my, what kind of world is, are my grandchildren going to grow up in? And, and I may not be able to control what happens down the line in generations to come, but I have control now and I have the ability to invest in the only thing that I know is the hope of the world. And so I will willingly give sacrificially every single year because if we actually believe the church is the hope of the world, I hope we live and we give like we believe it. So that's the part God had me add. Now, the title of my message is Love and War. And I hope it comes together in Jesus' name. It'll make sense in a moment. So, when Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, paid the penalty for us, he rose from the dead, conquering death and hell, ascended into heaven, and then he sent us the Holy Spirit. Do you realize this was the biggest game of tag your it that has ever happened in the earth? Jesus ascends to heaven, gives us the Holy Spirit, and he's like, tag, you're it. You are it. You are now called ambassadors for Jesus Christ. You are now responsible for the great commission to go into all the world, to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and to cast out demons. Tag, we are it. We are it. And it is our mission to carry those things out. And I know that today, my heart is that I'll be able to encourage you or equip you or maybe you feel a, to make you make feel a little more confident when you go out and actually are an ambassador for Jesus Christ to equip you in an easier way to go out and spread the gospel to preach the gospel and to invite people to church. I want to tell you today that it's not as scary as some of us have drummed it up to be. It's not as scary. I want you to realize the first thing to bring hope into the world we got to fund the mission of the church, but then we have to go out with the Great Commission and preach the gospel and share the love of Jesus with people. And as you do that, it's going to be a whole lot easier to do that when you realize that most people are actually desperate and searching for the truth. Most people are desperate and searching for the truth. That's why it's not so scary. They actually need someone to tell them. And we had the most beautiful dinner with uh, Michael and Michelle Cole the other night sitting here on the front row. We got to hear a little bit more of their story. And Michael Cole, you are a very handsome 78-year-old man. Beautiful Michael Cole. And he began to share with us his story about he wasn't raised in a Christian home. And then in his, young, his younger years, he got in, involved with gangs. Can you believe it? Michael Cole was a gangbanger. <laughs> Who would have thunk it? you know, going out some dark paths in life. And then he finally just woke up one day and realized that he, ne he needed something. He needed a change. He didn't know where or what that looked like, but he knew he needed a change. So he began his search for truth. He began his search for, for a God or God. And, and, and Michael Cole encountered the New Age Church. That was his first encounter in his search. Michael Cole spent 20 years in the New Age Church, still bound in 
in confusion, still bound up in sin, still still searching, not having any hope or peace, being tormented, just like there has to be something more. For 20 years, the beautiful Michael Cole spent 20 years in the New Age Church, and it took 20 years for someone to actually tell him about the name of Jesus, about the Christian church and what Jesus Christ had done for him. And so once he heard about that, he got an invitation to church from that bold and courageous man, and he, he accepted that invitation. He went to church that Sunday, and when he heard the gospel message, when he heard about Jesus Christ, the hope of the world, the one who brings peace and joy and freedom and transformation, when that altar call came, he was up and ready to run straight forward. But beautiful Michelle Cole at that first of his grabbed his arm and told him, no, Michelle, Michelle. So they stayed in their seats. The next Sunday, they went back to that church, heard the message again about Jesus Christ. The, the response, do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your savior today? And Michael Cole looked at the beautiful Michelle Cole and he said, I don't know about you, but I'm going forward and you can come with me or not. And he ran down to that altar call and met the truth. He met Jesus, the one he had been searching for for 20 years. And then a beautiful young woman tapped Michelle Cole on the shoulder and said, sweetie, don't you want to go with him? And she's like, yes, I do. And so this woman walked her down to the altar call, and she received Jesus Christ as her Savior that day. And ever since, for decades upon decades, they've had a mission to rescue people from the grip of hell, tell people about the love of Jesus, and help transform their lives. And I love that story so much, but I hate it all in the same sense. Because it took 20 years there was someone that was searching for the truth. There was someone that was desperate to know that they could be transformed and saved and set free. And it took 20 years for a Christian to find Michael Cole to share the real gospel message with him. How many Michael Coles are in our world that are desperate and are searching for decades and all they are waiting for is you? You! Because you have the answer to tell them about Jesus. The Bible talks about in Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him, Jesus, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Will you choose to be that someone for somebody like a Michael Cole, who's looking for the answers. And you've got it. You've got it. You know, people that need Jesus can be wearing three-piece designer suits. They can also be wearing a shirt covered with baby spit up and a Cheerio attached to their butt. <laughs> they can also be someone with dyed hair wearing black and eyeliner and looking depressed and lost. We ha have, all of us have what they need. Will you please be that somebody for someone who is searching for the truth? There is a battle over every human soul on planet Earth. And it's for love we go to war. It's love and war over every soul 
The devil has a plan for every soul, and Jesus Christ has a plan for every soul. The devil's plan comes full of wrath and rage towards every human being on the planet. Revelations 12.12 says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows his time is short. And the target of his wrath is you and I, because we were created in the image of God. And he hates God, and he hates you. And he's unleashing his wrath upon you. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I don't know about you, but it's getting a lot easier to see who he's devouring these days in this climate in the nation of America. His wrath is being poured out on our children and our school systems, making people more confused, isolated, depressed, angry, and alone than ever before. The devil isn't hiding anymore. His plans and his schemes are out in the open. His wrath is being made evident in people's lives, and we can see it wherever we go. And that is why it is time for all of us. The world needs all of us to take up our mantle and accept the mission of being an ambassador for Jesus Christ and accept the mission of the great commission to go out into all the world and preach the gospel. Do we have as much passion to go after lost people as the enemy does going after lost people? While he has wrath, do we have passion and fire to have a war? We go to war over people's souls. Do we love people enough to warfare for them? Because we have one shot in this life. And it's not a game. This life is not a game. We have one shot. We have one shot to make an eternity impact in our lives. We don't get a do-over, a redo, or take a mulligan for you golfers out there. We We don't get a redo. We have one shot to live this life and take as many people to heaven with us as we possibly can before we leave this earth. We've got one shot, and I hope and pray we all have, we're taking an army with us. But do you realize it's an act of love and war when we are going after somebody's soul because the devil has a plan for their life and God has a plan for their life. And every time you speak love, every, every time you speak kindness and truth and share an invitation to church or tell them about Jesus or offer up a prayer for them, you are launching a direct attack against the enemy's plans to kill, to steal, and destroy their life. Like he says in John 10.10, you launch a direct attack every time we try to show someone the love of Jesus. So have you ever wondered why you find it maybe difficult or you can feel intimidated or you back down when you know someone needs to hear or get the invitation and at that last minute you back down and you cower? It's not just because you're intimidated or have insecurities. You're literally launching attack against the king of darkness himself. But guess what? We serve the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, including the devil himself. 
God is on our side. God is with you. You have the answer to every human problem on the planet. Will you be that somebody for someone? So we know it's so much easier to approach these situations. We know that majority of people are searching and desperate for the truth. They just don't know that his name is Jesus. The second thing that'll help us as we fulfill the Great Commission and start stepping out in boldness to preach the gospel and minister to other people is we, we just need to be prepared for battle. We need to be prepared for battle. You know, many of you know my story that for seven years in my younger years, I was a deputy probation officer and I worked in the violent, crime, violent crimes unit down at the Hall of Justice. And for seven years working in that industry, you really learn to be aware of your surroundings. surroundings. Uh, you learn how to bring calm um, and peace to situations that are really intenseful, intense. You learn how to um, not uh, react but respond to high crisis situations with calm um, to de-escalate situations. So I, I, I did that for seven years and it became just a part of me. It was very comfortable for me to step into high intense situations without my heart racing because I'd done it so often. It kind of becomes, you know, a part of you. And so that training kind of stays with you. So the secret side of me is that I would love to be on our security team. Um, because I, I, I love it. Like, I see it all. I know. I, I, I can spot a crazy person, like, a mile away because I worked with them for seven years. And so I, I'll literally, like, like, hey, tell him the guy in the yellow shirt, he's going to be a problem. Not you in the yellow dress. Not you in the yellow. Yeah, you're, you're fine. You're amazing. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, I... There's things I just sense it. I just know I, I'm trained. I I and I'm I'm to be honest, I'm usually right. So you're welcome. Um, you know, I actually I asked to be a part of our last security training. I was like, can I please come? And it was amazing. I was like, I'm living my best life. Um, and so anyway, so I think about these scenarios. I think about what I would do in high intense situations. I know that there are people that don't like us, that hate us, and have threatened us. We've had the FBI at our house. We have all this stuff. So it's like, I, I, I'm prepared. I would hope I'm prepared. So uh, you might have been here a couple uh, months ago on a Wednesday night where, you know, I'm having everybody stand. I'm about to introduce our preacher. There's a lot of movement. People are standing and clapping. And then, like, I'm just standing right here, and all of a sudden, I feel like I see movement out of here, so I like move my hair, and out of nowhere, this woman has, had rushed the stage and jump on the stage. Her counterpart was, was prohibited from coming, but she was like three feet from me, and I just for like a second, I'm like, how did you get here? Like in my head, I was just kinda like, that's weird. And, and so it took about half a second for me to be like, that's weird, and then I immediately, I'm not backing away as she's coming towards me, I start to grab for her. And then she steps away from me, so I start to grab again. Do you guys realize I had full intention to pull her towards me, throw off balance, and then drop her over my knee? It was like, that's what I was trying to do, but she kept moving away from me. How do I know she doesn't have a gun or have a knife under that? I have no idea who this person is. At this point, you are my enemy, and you are in my territory. And so I didn't get to implement my little plan because security intervened. Gosh darn it. No, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're amazing. Please intervene. Please intervene. Um, you know, but... but and then, all, and then just they you know, had to carry her off the stage. And then like instantly, I just like go, all right, everyone. Well, thank God. Hopefully one day she encounters Jesus. But are we ready for the word tonight? And I just like go right back. You know, I'm smiling. My heart's not racing. I just was like, I, I was actually a little surprised my heart wasn't racing a little bit. But I didn't even like elevate. And then I remember people going, oh, my gosh, are you okay? That was so frazzling. We were so stressed. And, all, and I just like, and they were like, how did you just like start leading again? Like, you didn't even act nervous. And I was like, honestly, I was like, I have visualized that scenario so many times. 
Like I visualize that stuff. I, I literally see myself stepping in harm's way. Like I, I visualize this stuff. So it wasn't even second thought that I wouldn't do that. Like I ain't backing away from you. And so it was, it was like I knew exactly what I was going to do because I had prepared, I had planned, and I had visualized. Same thing in the natural with warfare, same thing in the spiritual with their battling over somebody's soul. Because I'm telling you, I do not leave my house thinking I'm not going to share the gospel with somebody. I, I already know when I go to dinner, that waiter or waitress will receive an invitation to church. It's not like a, oh, should I, or what if, or if the opportunity might present itself, or no, it's like it's a done deal. Like I'm doing it. I've already made the decision. It's 100%. So I'm not going to waver based on the comfortability or the natural environment that may or may not be there. I, it's, it's a done deal in my mind. So there's no nerves around it. There's no anxiety. There's no what if. There's no backing down because I've already determined beforehand how this is going to go. And so I have also prayed for opportunities. And this is what I, all, I want us all to get to the place where, where we are actually praying for opportunities. The Bible talks about in Colossians 4, 3 through 6, it says, praying that God would open to us a door for the word. Wow. To speak the mysteries of Christ, that our speech would be seasoned with grace and salt, and that we may know how to give an answer to those who are lost if we are praying for an open door, you better bet that God's going to bring those opportunities to us. And then we have to trust that he will give us the words to say when we actually step through those open doors. It's like the same principle in where it talks about in Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. I ask for opportunities and it is given to me. Seek and you will find. Because I've asked, I'm not waiting for all the stars to align and hopefully there's a, a comfortable environment to tell someone about Jesus. No, I seek to find opportunities, to find connection, to find a, a, a connection point. That I, I seek to find and if I can't find it, I create opportunities because I already know I've prayed that God would give them to me. So now I have to create by seeking opportunities. How can I get in to this person's world? And then it says, and then knock and the door will be open to you. So then you knock on the door of their heart and I will tell you 99% of the time their hearts are open at least to an invitation to church. I have never had a scenario that was like really aggressive or backfired. I've gotten some like yeah, no thanks. Or you know, things like that, but that's like the worst of it. They might like some like one person raise their voice at me, and I do this every day. So the odds are for you guys. Like it's good. It's good out there. They're ready. They're desperate. They're seeking. They're searching. Searching. So because we've asked, we now need to seek. So again, if it doesn't present itself, you create it. I am because I know I'm gonna invite them eventually in this conversation. I'm just seeking a way in. So that might look like being kind, being encouraging, letting them know they're doing a great job, inquiring about their life. Are you interested in them? Who, who, how often do people just stop and take side their conversation they're having with their guests at their table and actually take an interest in the person that's serving them? Asking them a question about themselves will do a whole lot. I look for common ground. I look to build a rapport. I visit the same places frequently. So then people get to know you, like that you're the real deal. So I do things like, there's an Italian place by my house, so we go there quite often. And one gentleman, we had this funny encounter because for some ungodly reason, they um, hired this singer 
that should have been in an opera house, but it was in a tiny little restaurant, and they didn't know to like hold back their vocals, so it's like you couldn't talk the whole night, so we had this funny encounter like, oh my God, like how are you surviving? I need to move in a private room, I can't think. And so we were just like laughing, laughing. You know, at the end of, at the, end of the, the, I already know I'm gonna, you know, uh, and give them an invitation card to church, which you all have the ability to pick a little pack up on your way out. Um, you know, so I invited him to church, and he was kind of like, oh, thanks, and he didn't take the card. I'm like, no, put it in your pocket, you might need it one day. Because I knew he wasn't like a super big fan. So the next time I go, I have a different waiter. And then I'm like, we were, you know, we were talking to them, the fullers were with us, we are just chatting it up, asking questions about himself, his upbringing. And he actually was like, I, I would like to check out your church. And I'm, I'm like, oh, go get the other guy. Go get that other guy. So then he go gets the other guy, my first waiter. And I'm like, hey, hey, how you doing? And, and I was like, yeah, there's another singing lady. You told me there wouldn't be any more singing ladies. Like, what the heck? So I'm like joking with him the guy that I had already invited a while ago and didn't seem too thrilled. I'm talking to the new waiter, and, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm, hey, I'm inviting him to church too. I was like, but he might come. And I was just like, I know you're not a big fan yet, but one day I'm going to get you, you know? And so then there's this whole encounter of like, they're all, oh, oh, you know? So it's like I, you just keep the dialogue going. And here's the deal. Not every time, because people are busy and they're rushed, you might not have a time to get in and seek and to find a way and do all these things. But I don't need that to know that they need Jesus. And so it's, it's not that hard. And so when the waiter rushes by and tries to drop the check, I've been known to grab their arm. And I'll be dramatic. I just say, no, don't leave me. I haven't had a chance to invite you to my church yet. And they just start laughing every time. I'm like, no, for reals, no, for reals. I want to invite you to church. Here's a card. I think you're amazing. I think you'd love it. And sometimes we have a conversation. Sometimes they have to rush off. But at least you planted the seed. And the Bible says all we can do is plant the seed. And then someone, another person waters it, and then God makes it grow. So you're just planting seeds wherever you go. And then sometimes I don't get a chance to grab their arm or this or that. But it's, sometimes I just simply say at the end, it's not awkward because I'm genuine. I just say like, hey, we didn't have much time to chat, but I, I just want to let you know that we have a church, and I think it would be amazing for you to, you know, come check it out. I don't know if you have community here in San Diego, but we have a really great community. And I just leave them with the card. That's all you do. You're always seeking a way in to minister, to extend an invitation. So, so if we're praying and asking for opportunities, God's going to give them to us. But are you finding a way in to be able to share with them about Jesus? And if you are willing to do those things, God will open those doors for you. Can you imagine what the city of San Diego would look like if the 15,000 people that call Awaken Church their home, everywhere they went, they planned on telling someone about Jesus or offering to pray for them or just to extend the invitation to church with an invitation card? Can you imagine if all of us did that, what this city would look like? We're already seeing it. We live in the most beautiful bubble in San Diego because we stood our ground against the enemy's attacks when they said to shut down. We refused because people need Jesus. We actually are involved in political matters in our school boards and things like that. We are already seeing this city is a city that is set on a hill. God is, God is elevating our light in this city. It is already happening. Like we are literally changing the world. If we do these things, just what's more to come is so amazing you know, to think about. So I just want to encourage you that, that sharing the gospel is not scary. But 
the enemy with his intimidation, knowing we're coming against him, like makes us think about all these things that might happen or could happen or whatever or whatever. What if they reject us? So what? What do they say? No. Oh, well, maybe next time. Like, why do we care so much? We get so wrapped up and have all this anxiety about it. It's like at the end of the day, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God's invitation. So just let it go. But that doesn't alleviate our responsibility with the, to, to actually go out with the Great Commission and tell people about Jesus or invite them along to church that has the power to change their entire life and the generations to follow them. When you actually put it in perspective, because I, I understand, I have felt it before, before it became a common practice of everything that I do. I would have, have anxiety. I would get anxious and it would feel so awkward. You know, but at the end of the day, I can't be worried about that. When you think about, oh, we might feel awkward. Oh, well, they might go to hell. Oh, it's, it's uncomfortable. Well, ugh. like think about it. It's so silly. Like, oh, this is awkward. Yeah. It's going to be worse when you know you could have saved them from destruction. Like, it's really not that hard. And it's, it's so simple, and it's so easy. And when you put it actually in those terms, that's what we're doing. When we, we see someone, that, or we see someone, we just know, but we don't, we're actually going, oh, I'm, I'm prioritizing my momentary uh, comfortability for their eternity. Do you know the first message I ever preached from this, this actual platform? I came out hot, man. The first message I ever preached from Balboa campus is like 12 years ago. It was called, what the hell is it all for? <laughs> Pastor, you're going to even say I couldn't say that. I just, that was the title of my message, what the hell is it all for? It's so we can spare people from going to hell. Like, that's why we do what we do. That's why we fund the mission. That's why we preach messages to put boldness and courage on the inside of you, to put it in perspective of what's actually at risk. That's what it's all for. And I hope and I pray that you realize that you are qualified. You are all qualified. Whether, you know, if, if you don't know Jesus, you're gonna have an opportunity to know Jesus today and then consider yourself qualified to share the gospel. You don't have to know everything and know all the answers. Will you not have the answers if someone asks? Absolutely, it happens to me all the time. So, but again, why do we care? Like, well, I may not know that, but I can find out for you. But what I do know is this that once I was lost and now I'm found. Once I was addicted to drugs and now I'm set free. Once I was without hope and suicidal and now I'm full of hope and joy and peace again in my life. I don't know, I don't know all the answers, but all I know is this, this is what God did for me. There was a story in the Bible, the woman at the well, and, and she was a woman that had a past. She had a lot of pain and brokenness in her life. She was onto her fifth or sixth husband and, and she encounters Jesus at the well. She's filling up her jug and Jesus begins to tell her all things about her life and, and minister to her. And in like mid-ministry moment, she sets down her jug of water. And the Bible says she runs back to the village and tells all the men. And she says this. She says, come and see a man who told me all the things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And then she said, everyone in the city went out to meet Jesus. So she didn't even fully know Jesus yet. She had an encounter with him. She wasn't even sure if he was the real deal. But it was real enough for her to leave her water jug and run and tell people, I don't know a whole lot about that guy over at the well, but all I know is this, and you need to come hear him. She knew nothing. And she affected a whole city going out to hear from Jesus. 
I don't have all the answers, but what I do know is this, that he's changed my life and I know he can change yours. I was once without hope, but now I am full of hope again. We have that and that is enough. So just remember, if we want to truly be the hope of the world, we need to fund the mission. We need to understand that it's not scary and there's the majority of people are really seeking and searching and desperate for the truth. And that we need to be prepared and plan to go to war every time over a soul when we leave our homes because we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And I need you to know that you are qualified today. You are ministers of reconciliation, the Bible says, and I'm gonna continue to remind yourselves of that. We are on mission and we're doing a great job. It's an act of love and war. Amen. Amen. Let's give God a shout of praise. I want to encourage you all. We, we put out a lot of these at the 830. Maybe one per family. There's six in here. Why don't you pray and ask God for those opportunities this week? And I put six in here for a reason. It's like a six-pack. Usually people want to get a six-pack. How about you try to lose it by Sunday? Let's lose your six-pack by Sunday. Amen. Well, I, want, I would love to pray over everyone. If you guys could just close your eyes and bow your heads really quickly. You know, maybe you came today and someone invited you or maybe it's been a while since you were in the house of God. And as I'm talking, maybe you found yourself in that story about the wonderful Michael Cole, our little gang banger, who was searching for Jesus for 20 years. He didn't even know what he was looking for. He just knew he needed something. And friends, that something is a person and his name is Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship you will ever establish, not just for your life here on earth, but for eternity. There is a heaven and there is a hell and there's a devil who wants to bring you with him, but there is a God that has paid the price to save your soul and secure your eternity in heaven. If you are in here today and you have never made that decision to follow Jesus Christ and you've never received his forgiveness for your sins, today is your day. You are our mission. So if that's you and you just don't know everything but you know you need Jesus while no one else is looking around I would love to include you in my prayer. So if you could just slip your hand up so I can see who I'm praying for. Who can I pray for today? Yes, I see you right there on the end with the glasses and the tan. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Who else am I waiting for? Thank you. Yes, in the denim jacket. I see your hand. Lots of hands over here by the drum cage. Denim jacket, black shirt. I see you. Yes, sir. I see you in the maroon. And I see you over here down the front in the white. Yes, and once I've seen your hand, you can put it down. Who else am I waiting on? Thank you, Lord. Yes, I see your hand right there. Right now, souls are literally in the balance of life and death, and so we're praying, church. I want to give it a few more moments. Come on, I know you don't have all the answers, but you know enough to know that you need Jesus today.
Who else am I waiting on? Yes, I see you right there in the second row. So proud of you. Thank you, God. Yes, I see you over there all the way on the rail. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Yes, I saw you with the beautiful blonde hair at the last minute. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's just, we're going to pray together. But before we do, can we just, we just give a huge shout of praise for every single person that raised their hand? Or maybe I cut it off too soon and you would have raised your hand. But that doesn't mean you can't pray this prayer with all of us. All of us are going to pray this prayer together and Jesus Christ is going to enter your life. So let's all pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin on the cross so that I can be forgiven. Lord, I thank you for saving me. God, I pray that you would help me walk with you all the days of my life. Today I declare that heaven is my home, that God is my father, and I am his child. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.